Hello and welcome to Football Masterminds, the show where we attempt to say intelligent things about football. I'm Reese Desmond, and I am here with the one and only, the Edinson Cavani, to my dominating performance. Here is Kosti Kapoor. Hello, how's it going? Welcome back everyone to our episode 10. We've made it 10 weeks and you know what? We've been we've been super proud of everybody who's listening and engaging with the show and it's just been amazing and we're just getting started. So yeah, let's keep this going. This is exciting. Hope you're not bored of us yet and Kosti, I hope you're not bored of me yet as well because it's just the <laughs> two of us again today. No Russell, no special guests. Uh, But we have, of course, some exciting things to talk about because it was an exciting week in the UEFA Champions League and the Europa League because that exists too, but no one talks about it to quite (laughs) the same extent. Both are heating up and it's not even summer yet. What was your favorite game of the past week in the UEFA Champions League and the UEFA Europa League? I liked both the games to the point that both English teams dominated the other and that was exciting to watch for like English football but except for that I mean it wasn't really like an end-to-end game which is what I would expect but uh, the first leg away for both uh, both the English teams and they managed to get a good result so it was it was exciting but at the same time I thought um, both the both Real and PSG playing on the counter attack it gets kind of boring sometimes because you don't see sort of open ended games. Yeah, I just think players are so tired. Like I think you are really starting to notice it at the end of the season here. And I think to some extent, I think we were talking about this pre-show, but like the Europa, Su- the European Super League. I don't know if that has something to do with it, but I don't want to say football is becoming boring because I am having so much fun watching the Bundesliga and the DFB Pokal semifinals this week and the UEFA Champions League I enjoyed watching as well this week and the UEFA Europa League as well but it's almost like the momentum of the season has been like killed off by the European Super League. Yeah I guess you could say that because all the attentions are to all the protests Kroenke out, Glazers out, stuff like that and you know there's little to none attention about the games at hand but they're so important because uh, people need to qualify, teams need to qualify, and teams need to win the Champions League and Europa League. So, But I would hope that at least Real pulls it back because there can only be four English teams in the Champions League and Liverpool might be fourth. If that, very lucky that. Um, I can't have Chelsea <laughs> winning this as well. I see your ulterior motives here of, uh, of Chelsea or Man City winning the Champions League so that Liverpool... Or a hypothetical other fifth place team could get in. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we'll start with the Real Madrid and the Chelsea game. I thought it was very interesting that Zidane changed shape to match Tuchel's shape, but it wasn't even really like he was matching it, just playing with a back three system. Because I think Chelsea were very much more three four two one as they usually are than actually three five two like Zidane's team were. Mason Mount was very much more like a left winger, particularly in their press. And Christian Pulisic was also much more of a right winger than a striker. I think all this, all of the discussion about this match so far that I have heard is like Chelsea were the dominating team and obviously they're going to win the second leg. And I just actually wonder if Real Madrid are going to pull off something 
more spectacular than we are assuming that they will because they have a very good attacking unit still and their defense has been very good lately when you look at Chelsea and you're like you could say the same things about them their attack has been much improved their defense has always been good under Tuchel I could really see this match going either way and I think people are writing Real Madrid off a bit early here yeah I mean when I watched the game right I mean I think Chelsea should have Chelsea should have been two or three up anyway and I think that's why people are writing Real off. Timo Werner is just, uh, there's some German nepotism there. Is uh, That's the only reason I could think he keeps playing and keeps missing because how many chances does this guy need? And I know he's had 11 goals and 10 assists this season, which is not bad for a striker, um, especially first season in the Premier League. But I mean, but, but it's not, it's not that, it's not that Timo is struggling with the pace of the Premier League. It's not that he's getting out-muscled, which is the Premier League is known for. You know, you come in, you have those bulky defenders that'll absolutely muscle you out of things, or it's so fast that you're not used to it. That stuff would make sense to me, but he's just missing open nets. Like He's just missing open chances. So I don't know why Tuchel sticks with him, because I agree that I agree that maybe it's because he likes the fact that he can keep the centre-backs... Um, occupied but I think Tammy could do that I don't know why Tammy couldn't do that and also not miss open chances I just think that the reason why Real is being um, overlooked right now is because they never looked like they were in the game except for that Benzema super class goal and you know yes they could pull that off again in second leg but then they'd also have to keep Mason Mount and Christian Pulisic quiet which is super hard to do the only saving grace is that maybe Hazard starts the next leg I think maybe in place of Vinicius Jr and he might have something to prove but except for that I just don't see how based on the first leg I just don't see how they could do it I thought Eder Militao was very good in the game I think he made like a significant amount of defensive contributions up against Mason Mount who had I think actually one of his quieter nights of the season under Tuchel I think he managed to deal with everything very well defensively you look at other players on the field and you look at Marcelo and you think, okay, well, you just got ran circles around. But I think overall it was a decent defensive performance from them and that's why Chelsea, to some extent, weren't able to convert the chances that they should have. Obviously, the Timo Werner big chance that he had should have been buried uh, and the game should have been over there. But I do think people are writing Real Madrid off a bit early and I... I would love to see Chelsea go through. I'd love to see Chelsea win this tournament. But I think... I don't know how you could write off Real Madrid when they've won the Champions League three times in a row under Zidane. And even though they don't have the same squad they did back then, they could easily do it again. Yeah, that's fair to say. I mean, I think they could do it again. And uh, they have enough firepower with at least Varane coming back and maybe Ramos as well to handle the defense. It's just... I just... From what I saw, I just didn't see enough um, for them to do this. When I think about Real versus Liverpool and, and the fact that Liverpool lost, Liverpool didn't lose because Real played really well. Although Real controlled the midfield, Liverpool lost because of their own defensive mistakes, I think, in the first leg. And they didn't convert in the second leg. Again, Real didn't do anything in the second leg. They just Liverpool just didn't bury chances. And... If something like that happens again against Chelsea, where, you know, it's more towards luck than domination, I would say that, yeah, yeah, that could happen. But I just, like, on the first leg, I just don't see it going through, like, going towards Real. I just don't see it. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think all of that is a very fair critique. The one thing I would add as sort of like a caveat to that is oftentimes that's how big teams end up winning tournaments is very much a defensive minded approach where you would think, okay, like they don't actually have the quality they should have to actually win this tournament. And they just grind out like a one nil, a nil, nil. We talked about that with Inter Milan this season and Leicester City in their Premier League title win, where that is kind of how big teams sometimes win. Wait, Leicester is a big sort of team? Trophies. Leicester is a big team? Maybe just any team. Yeah, yeah. How no, I'm so- just kidding. Sometimes any teams win these sort of trophies and these competitions. But I mean more so teams that you wouldn't expect to win. So I think Leicester are an example of that. Inter Milan are an example of that. Porto and Inter, when they won under Jose Mourinho, I don't think they were expected to win either of those times. Whereas then other times you get like a Liverpool and a Bayern Munich that just kind of roll everybody else away. And so I I think just because they lack the sort of quality that Chelsea have, it doesn't necessarily mean that they won't come out on top in the second leg. Let's move on to Manchester City and PSG. What were your thoughts on this match? What was what was something that stood out to you watching it? So, something that is going to sound really mean, I guess, is I, I think Kylian Mbappe can only run. Like He's really good at running. He can run really fast. He's really good at running. But except for that, he got owned. He got absolutely destroyed in that game. He was trying to lead the line, but he got led back into his own half and should have been down the tunnel. He he didn't play a part in the game at all. That stood out really heavily because every time he would get the ball, he would just try and knock it past the defender and run really, really, really fast. And that wasn't working because uh, Ruben Diaz was Ruben Diaz and he just didn't let that happen. Um, the other thing that probably stood out was uh, that Kevin Dubrana can play any position on the field, I think, put him in goalie and he'd still come up with a save. <laughs> and also that Neymar isn't talked about enough at PSG. I thought he, when he gets the ball, man, his footwork is just so clean. It's so, like, you can't, you just, just don't, don't mess with him. He will, he will draw a foul. Don't mess with him. And that Di Maria still got it, I guess. Some, like, small pointers that were cool to watch in the game. So first on Mbappe, I think that is the critique of his game that is just under-criticized a bit. So I actually do kind of agree with you, even though it's absolutely outrageous to say like Kylian Mbappe can only run and that's it because he is one of the three to five best players in the world. He has so much undeniable quality on the ball and without the ball as well. He is very talented and intelligent with his movement. But Mbappe does try to do too much on his own sometimes. And I think that was very apparent in this match, like you mentioned. Neymar also does try to do too much on his own sometimes, but Neymar has a little bit more of this sort of like flair and technique to his play where it just looks so much more magical and he will draw fouls and just be a constant nuisance to to the opposition. And I do agree with you that he's almost become like underrated, especially now kind of living in the shadows of Kylian Mbappe. No one looks at Neymar like they used to as being like the third best player in the world behind Messi and Ronaldo no one looks at him like that anymore and maybe they kind of should still because he is so talented with the ball at his feet he probably is like Messi is the only other comparison where when they have the ball at their feet 
you just know they're going to do something magical and be very, very difficult to stop. I was re- I was reading in this article that the reason why Brazilian players are so skillful is because at a very young age, they start with futsal before outdoors. And that makes their close control really, really good, which is why when players like Coutinho and Neymar come out of Brazil, you can see that they're so quick with their feet. So I think that's that's uh, super interesting how, you know, where where you grew up really affects like how what your style of play is but i agree like on the on the neymar point and the mbappe point that they sometimes try too much the one good thing that i did see and i haven't watched that many psg games so i I might be out of line here is that whenever needed neymar and mbappe dropped as much as they needed to mbappe you know as a striker dropped dropped enough to cover this cdm just looking at their work rate i thought that was that was awesome but at the end of the day man city just deserved I think they deserve to go a little bit ahead, but obviously I don't want them to win. Yeah, I think the PSG defensive performance side of it has been a bit understated in the discussions of this match so far. Like, obviously we're a bit late to the party and having the benefit of hearing what everybody else is kind of saying about these matches. And I think the sort of common dogma of this match of like, Pep Guardiola didn't give his fullbacks enough freedom in the first half, and that's why they were so lackluster is a bit overstated when Verratti and Di Maria did very well in actually tracking their movement and mitigating that concern. And in the second half, when Neymar and Mbappe didn't have that same sort of intensity to their defensive prowess, City were able to get a greater foothold of the game. PSG defended very well in the first half. City started to get more in control of the game in the second half, and ultimately, they gained all of the control, and came knocking at the door and like the big bad wolf they eventually blew the house down and it ended 2-1 do you think uh, who goes through i think city i would love it to be psg but it's it's gonna be hard to come back from 2-1 against manchester city i think they were away right too so that's two away goals yeah people said that it's good that pochettino has played pep but i almost think that that's not true i almost think that because pochettino has played pep with spurs he's a little too scared I didn't see the glimpses of that in the first leg, but I guess when you lose 2-1 away to City and you know you got to score two goals without reply, uh, I wonder how he sets up this next game. I think he will go for a more attacking approach because I think it's kind of tough when you're PSG in this situation not to go defensive in the first leg when you know, other than the attack, which is probably in PSG's favor almost over Manchester City's, Like, the midfield isn't up to par with Manchester City's. Their defense isn't close. Goalkeeper is close, but it's probably Ederson that still edges it. Pretty much every end of the pitch, they have a better unit. And so PSG needing to go defensive kind of makes sense. And I think in the second leg, they're going to have to go all-out attack. Otherwise, they're going to be done. So I do agree with you. I think it's Chelsea-Man City in the final. And I think if if a team is going to go through that isn't Chelsea and Man City, I would see it being Real Madrid, though, over PSG. Okay. But we are potentially getting, like, not just an all-English Champions League final, but an all-English Europa League final as well. Manchester United look completely out of sight. Arsenal look, like, completely the opposite. But we'll start with Manchester United. Cavani, Fernandez, you name it. Like, every Man United player to an extent, just completely dominated over every single Roma player. And it became like Roma's worst nightmare in the second half. That was sad. That was sad to see for Roma. 
I thought that first half at least they put up a fight. Second half just got obliterated. Like what happened? I I can't even. I don't even know what to say. I don't, just kick them when they're down. Just keep kicking them and kicking them and kicking them. I just didn't understand what happened to Roma. Like uh, please explain. You've done more analysis on everything, so please explain. There's something very magical about a Solskjaer second half performance, and I don't know what it is that he like feeds his players in the second half must be something down to their fitness levels when you think about the fact that no Manchester United player at any point this season has had like a long-term injury except for Pogba who is very very injury prone Bruno Fernandes has stayed fit the entire time Marcus Rashford has only had a few minor knocks here and there Freddie McTominay are ever presence and you look at the back line and it's it's very much the same you just think this team is so fit in the second half when other teams are tired they can just turn up another gear and suddenly they've won the game 9-0 when you didn't expect them to <laughs> and fitness is not something that is talked about uh, enough amongst fans at least fitness is such a big part of the sport that gets sort of especially now i, I don't think it was that big a thing in the in before 2010 maybe even and you you know that cuz you hear that from players ex players and pundits that you know Rio Ferdinand coming out and saying yeah we would go to a bar before the game and just show up the next day and play the game or uh it's Ronaldinho who's like yeah I used to just mess around in training and then show up at the at the game just absolutely ready to go right um but now it's it's about uh, and you, and you see that and you hear that really in documentaries like if you if anyone listening out there has a chance like watch the documentaries Sunland till I die or take me home for the Leeds documentary and you hear the players you know stating the importance of how it's a full-time job now and more than a full-time job it's a it's a 24 hour type grind where down to the last thing that they eat for the most part is scheduled and prepared a certain way and they have to do their um runnings and you know their gym and all that stuff very specifically and i think that isn't talked about enough yeah it's very true the game is definitely more physical now i think we've seen many cases of players like Cesc Fabregas or Felipe Coutinho or Mesut Ozil who would probably have still dominated the game at this point in their careers like 10 years ago but the fact that the game is just so much more physical in all ends with a lot more pressing a lot more of like intense running individual 1v1 duels are more present than they were before all of these things play into the game being more physical and certain players not being able to do as well as they used to um you look at a guy like Edison Cavani too in his mid 30s like he's an absolute monster exactly like, no wonder he's scoring goals for fun like he is just unbelievable in his fitness levels and if you were Solskjaer would you do everything in your power to keep Cavani at Manchester United next season it looks like it's going to happen but would you want him to be your starting striker next season or would you want to bring in someone else with the way uh united is playing right now i don't see the need to bring in a striker i guess per se i don't know what they need to do to strengthen what position i mean I wouldn't say replace but at least give uh mason greenwood some more competition because right now he's clearly the first choice then you also need somebody alongside harry maguire who can do a decent job because Harry Maguire as good as he is and I think he's really good. I don't know if he's the top top echelon of players yet, right? So that might be one one place you want to bring in players for. Then I would say that it's a striker after that. 
I think I wouldn't go in for a striker this summer for sure. Stick with Cavani another year and you have Mason Greenwood and then Martial and Rashford who can also play that position. So I think they're fine there. If I was strengthening Manchester United, like I wouldn't look necessarily even to like specific positions beyond center back, which is definitely their key area to have someone to partner Maguire who is like absolutely world class because Lindelof is good, but he's not necessarily like a Premier League winning center back. Um, so upgrading in that area would be good, but I would just look to specific individuals like Jaden Sancho or Declan Rice that will bring undeniable quality and then also not even need to start every game because they have Fred and McTominay who have done so well at defensive midfield. And then on the right wing, they could still hypothetically have Daniel James, Mason Greenwood, if they want to keep Jesse Lingard, they could as well. So they have options. I think I want to see Manchester United win the Europa League. I really do. I really want to see it. I don't. I know people are like upset about the European Super League, but I would love to see Solskjaer win a trophy and all the Solskjaer naysayers go away and eat their words. I think it'd be really satisfying to see as as a slight Manchester United supporter talking here as well. Do you think they'd be so like like you said, right? They haven't been hit with any injuries. If Bruno Fernandez gets injured next season. Are they the same quality as they would be now? Bruno Fernandes is one of the best players in the world, so it's very hard to replace that. But you do still have Paul Pogba, who can play that position very well. And you still have Donny van de Beek, who hasn't really been given enough time to actually showcase what he can do. Who? As if. Well, he's a good player. <laughs> he just hasn't been given enough time. Yeah. I don't think they win the Premier League if without him. Like, even if, if he's out for a 10-game streak. I even. think that's fair. Like, And they might not win, like the Europa League let's say this season if Bruno Fernandes isn't part of it because he like we didn't even talk about him he would just ooze class in this game as well yeah yeah a significant contribution to the goals that they scored but they don't need like a Bruno Fernandes replacement at least because they have Van de Beek and they have Pogba yeah so they have options um a team that doesn't have many options is Arsenal and they were very bad once again and yeah very very bad. bad Villarreal were great um, completely dominated the match came into it as sort of underdogs but like they shouldn't be because they're undefeated in the Europa League this season they haven't lost Unai Emery coming back to haunt his old side Arsenal are actually within they have a decent chance they lost 2-1 away to a really good team that's not a bad loss I guess that's not a bad loss they still have a chance but I would I would actually just like to see a United Villarreal final because I think I would don't want United to win a trophy and Villarreal could do way better than Arsenal playing Granit Xhaka at left back because that that would just be disappointing because he would get he would get absolutely destroyed by Mason Greenwood. I don't want to see that. Yeah, I think we're on the same page about this. I also would want to see Villarreal play Manchester United in the final. To just think about the season that they've had and how poor they've been. I don't want the vindication of like, oh, well, Arteta still got them to Europa League final like it was with the FA Cup last year. The man has not done very much impressive in his time in Arsenal and winning a trophy or getting to a final is impressive but it's still only like cup competitions where there's six matches and you might get easy competition along the way and Villarreal I think are going to be the final roadblock in their way and I too would like to see a Villarreal Manchester United final. To be fair to uh, I'm going to be fair to Arteta he doesn't have the players that can be top four top six like I, I i'm not and i'm not saying that he's done an amazing like he's done a good job even but like look at the players that he has has 
at least in defense has at his disposal Pablo Mary Rob Holding Leno has a mistake in in, uh, in him Callum Chambers at right back like he just doesn't have the team yet either and he had that whole Mesut Ozil saga they get to deal with that was not him it was his predecessors that caused that so I would give him one more season and this transfer window to see what happens pretty much like United almost building from like an academy sort of base with Bukayo Saka and Emil Spitrow it's just give them another season to see what they do next season I guess yeah, you said last time we talked about England's Euro 2020 squad that you would pick Saka as one of your top players in the attacking side of things. I feel like he's really run out of steam because I feel like he's just been overworked a lot of time this season. He's yeah. 19 years old playing every single game as Arsenal's best player. It, it's suddenly become very tough for him in recent matches. I think he's gone like 10 games or so without with only one goal. Um, and no assists in that time. I know they had a win this weekend, but like your best player has been a 19-year-old who's run out of steam. How are how are you possibly going to win this second leg semifinal here against Villarreal? Yeah, I don't think they go through. You watch uh, these documentaries and you learn how coaches do not want to play these young players so much because they understand how delicate the situation can be. If they're overworked, they just don't reach their full potential because there's too much too soon, which I found really interesting. Um, yeah, because, like I think Saka's an amazing player, but again, he's 19. He's been asked to basically single-handedly win Arsenal everything, and it's just not happening. Yeah, definitely. I think Guardiola deserves some credit for how he's managed Phil Foden and sort of eased him into the side. I think that's probably one of the best examples of like a manager actually being very cautious with a young player and not overdoing it with his minutes. And now it's severely paying off where he's almost usurped Raheem Sterling for the team, which is really just unbelievable given how much quality Sterling has. So it's a good point. Do you agree with me that you'd like to see Manchester United win it all or would you no. rather Villarreal? Villarreal. Okay. I'm a Liverpool fan. Like, There's no way in hell I want them to win a trophy. Um, just on that, United Liverpool got cancelled today. We were hoping to watch that game and have some exciting analysis and look at the top four race and see how it's shaping up because there's only four or five games left. And it would have been fun to talk about, but I guess for next week, hopefully, or whenever it's played, we'll definitely bring that up. Um, just on that, uh, I know a lot of supporters have sort of bifurcated views on uh on these protests on whether storming the uh covid safe building was a good idea or not and i just want to know reese what do you think because this is a big issue right now in sports on how uh at least in england supporters don't get enough of a voice what do you think about that i think the calls have been there for so long to get glazer out to be honest with you like i just find it a bit boring i hear some discussions about like what a big day this is for manchester united football club and i'm just going like you know what a bigger day would have been? It was beating Liverpool. I just straight up would have rather seen that. You would have rather seen that, but people that go in day day in and day out into the football club pay for season tickets because we're North American supporters that sit on our TV and pay for, for a $20 DAZN subscription. These, these people pay so much money um, to financially they're much more involved and also their day-to-day lives are pretty much linked with this club for a lot of people that live in and around Manchester, right? So they don't see it the way you see it almost. The reason George Floyd, I feel like, was brought to justice was because people protested and didn't forget about it. So I don't think that this takes it nowhere um, because people do come under pressure from 
especially a political side when they see when they see their citizens not having their voice being heard it hurts their political aspirations if it's not forgotten i do think there's a point to this let's hope something comes out of it then and let's hope joel glazer gets the heck out of manchester united i would i would love to see that um so if that is the end result then great but yeah i think this was a good discussion about the champions league the europa league and too bad manchester united liverpool got cancelled today any final thoughts before we finish the show not really i'm looking forward to sort of getting the season wrapped up uh and then looking ahead to the transfers and looking ahead to uh our very exciting international euros because i think everybody will be excited to hear about that so yeah just looking forward to that stuff as well yeah so make sure you're staying tuned in every single week for us to have those discussions coming up on the podcast kasi where can people find you at football masterminds uh, and let us know what you think about our show definitely let us know your thoughts on the uefa champions league coming up who's going to go to the final who's going to go to the final in the europa league I look forward to hearing all of your thoughts about that and more because you can find me at desmond reese and at mastermind site on twitter and instagram so thank you all for listening we hope to see you for the next one have a good one and goodbye <laughs>